Live from the headquarters of Common Sense, this is Common Sense Christianity. As always, I'm your host, Ethan Foster, here today with another episode. If you're on Instagram and you can only see half of my face, I apologize. Just technical difficulties, folks, but oh well, you'll still be able to hear me just fine. Uh, If you haven't already, go check out our YouTube channel. Go subscribe to all our stuff. Go check out the website, cscpodcast.org. And go check out the stuff we got on there. Um, our verse of the day comes from Matthew 6.15. And I just lost it. Let me find it really quickly. And there we go. Uh, if you forgive those who sin against you, your Heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Uh, important lesson right there. We have my Aunt Chun on today who is outside of the camera. There we go. Uh, and uh, today we're probably going to be talking about uh, Black Lives Matter and all the cultural issues going on today. So thank you for coming on. You're welcome. Would you like to introduce yourself, say some things about you to the audience? Okay, I guess, I guess. Well, considering you did call me, you know, your, your favorite aunt. So. <laughs> I'll go ahead and introduce myself. My mm-hmm. name, my name is Chun Cole. I live in Georgetown, Texas. I am a retired um, United States Army First Sergeant, and I have been retired for a little over a year. All right, all right. Um, so, give me your opinion on the whole Black Lives Matter movement and how uh, they are handling the issues that are going on in America right now. Well. Um, it's definitely something um, that I can say I've seen before. Mm-hmm. You've seen it with Trayvon Martin. You've seen it with all the other shootings that came after. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we get riled up. We do the protesting and mm-hmm. the marches. But um, again, it's what's going to happen to mm-hmm. those individuals who took a life. Mm-hmm. So for me, I'm just waiting for a conviction. Mm-hmm. The protesting and the riots doesn't really do anything for me. Mm-hmm. I, I want to see what the end results are going to be. Yeah, Like what is going to change mm-hmm. after all of this dies down. Yeah. And, and that's really the important mm-hmm. thing. And, and it's the, it's the thing that's interesting to me. It's like, why? Okay. Well, it's interesting because of, I don't think that things are going to really change. I think it's just going to turn into another political talking point on both sides, and it's just going to go on like that, and nothing is really going to get done because we refuse to work together. And that's my personal opinion. I hope that doesn't happen. But from judging by how this country runs now, that is what I personally think is going to happen. Okay, um, I can see your point on that. Um, but I think right now, where we stand as a country and mm-hmm. as a whole, we're kind of like on that, that bandwagon phase. Yeah. Everybody's jumping in on the bandwagon. Mm-hmm. And I guess you could look at some situations where you can label it as being super sensitive mm-hmm. because it seems like now everybody's telling on everybody. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about anyone else, but I know for me, 
I've noticed that a lot of my uh, my neighbors, mainly my white neighbors where we live at, mm-hmm. they're extra friendly now. Mm-hmm. N- not, I'm not saying that they never were friendly, mm-hmm. but it seems as though they're extra friendly. They're yep. going out of their way to to actually speak and make sure that I know that they're speaking to me and they're asking me, how am I doing? Mm-hmm. But it wasn't like that before the George Floyd mm-hmm. um, incident. And also I've noticed that a lot of my, um, my non-black friends are being very apologetic. Mm-hmm. So my question to them is always been, well, what are you apologizing for? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah uh, why do you think, why do you think that, um, that this is happening, especially like, um, like when I'm on social media a lot, mm-hmm. what I see is after the whole Mod Arbery and George Floyd thing happened, people are speaking out, which is a good thing, mm-hmm. but they speak out so much and they're so passionate about something uh, that they can't hear any slight disagreements on the solution to the problem, if that makes sense. Well, I think in my opinion, now there's audio. Mm-hmm. There's video and audio. Before you just read about someone getting shot mm-hmm. or someone getting injured or mm-hmm. someone being pulled over and wrongfully arrested. Yep. But now you have an actual recording. Now it's right there in people's faces. They can't mm-hmm. ignore it anymore. They can't yep. mute that button anymore. Mm-hmm. So it's becoming more verbal now because you have something that people can attach themselves to. Mm -hmm. They can say, oh my gosh, this is more, it's more than what I normally see on the news. Usually you'll just see someone on the news report about it or they'll Mm -hmm. write about it, but there is actual videotape and you Mm -hmm. can hear this man's last words. Mm -hmm. You can hear this man pleading for his life. You can hear this man begging for his mom, his Mm -hmm. dead mom. So you can't ignore that anymore. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why it's, it's, it's resonating so much and across Mm -hmm. so many platforms, even, uh, even beyond our borders, Mm -hmm. you know, you see people in different countries protesting for this man, this man that they don't even know anything about. He's not even from the country, but Mm -hmm. they're protesting all the same. Because I think in this day and age, people are just fed up. Mm-hmm. You're right. You are certainly right. And I think that with this stuff getting videotaped, it provides a more emotional connection and provides more anger. Because it wasn't until people don't realize the horrors of things like slavery until they see a documentary about it and they reenact it or something. Like you hear about it, but then you actually see it and you're like, oh my gosh, this is truly atrocious. But I think it's more than just people reacting to it. Mm-hmm. I mean, the way I, I grew up in Florida, we knew about it mm-hmm. because we had people in our family that came from slavery. Mm-hmm. So that's that's not something I don't think that's something new to African Americans, well mm-hmm. most African Americans, because we have some type of connection to 
mm-hmm. slavery. So with police brutality and violence against minority and racial profiling, that's nothing new to us. Yeah. When I say us, I'm meaning African Americans. Mm-hmm. But for someone that's outside of that spectrum, mm-hmm. they don't deal with that on a regular basis. So that's why it's I believe it's taking a lot of people by surprise to see, oh, it's <laughs> this is really happening. Mm-hmm. Because We've been talking about this for years. Mm-hmm. You know, like I said before, way back, Trayvon Martin. We've been talking about that for years. Mm-hmm. I remember when uh, Kevin was young, mm-hmm. when that whole Trayvon Martin, Martin situation went down. Me as a mother to a black child and a black, a young black male child, that scared the crap out of me. Mm-hmm. Because the first thing I wanted to do was pull my child to the side and let him know Okay, first, don't go around with your pants sagging. Don't go around wearing a hoodie. Don't mm-hmm. go around by walking around anywhere by yourself because mm-hmm. I was afraid for him. But those are the conversations that black parents have to have now with their children, mm-hmm. especially their black boys. You, you have to have that conversation with them. And I would have never thought that I had to have that conversation with my own child Growing up, because that's something I never had to do. I was never, I guess, told that to my parents growing up. Mm-hmm. Yes, we were told certain places not to go to, mm-hmm. like um, outside of our city, or not to go to by ourselves because our parents were afraid that something bad would happen to us because of some racist idiot. Mm-hmm. But it's a totally different atmosphere now. Yeah, and it's hard for some people to understand what people go through when they don't live that reality. Um, But you look at it now, though, mm -hmm. (laughs) other people are living that reality. They may not be living that in in its entirety, Mm -hmm. but they're living some of it. Like, think about those journalists that got beat up by the cops. Mm -hmm. Okay, so... I'm not going to lie, for me being a black woman, that made me think of, okay, so now they know what we're, we're going through. Mm-hmm. Now they know some of our pain. And with the Asian American um, population, some of them, they started feeling some of the, the pain too yeah. that most African Americans feel when they're out and about, the, just the discrimination alone. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> it's like, in my opinion, it's like they've just begun to scratch the surface on what most African-Americans go through on a regular basis. You're definitely right on that. And I think that's one of the positive aspects on social media, that the word um, that that a message can get spread so e- so easily, that this is the reality of the situation and we need to um, address it appropriately. Uh, and, and it's a great thing that we that people are beginning to realize that this is a problem mm-hmm. that has been going on and that we haven't solved yet. Um, and, and that's a good aspect of it. Now there are bad aspects of social media, of course. Yeah. That uh, spread around either divisive rhetoric or or just false information on some things. Well, I think 
with social media, it's just like any other platform. Mm -hmm. You have to be wise enough to determine what you're going to take away from whatever story is out there. Uh What you are going to take as fact versus fiction or a falsehood. Mm -hmm. It's up to you. Um, But I do believe people want to believe what they want to believe. Regardless mm-hmm. of reading the reading the facts or knowing the facts, um, even when those facts are presented to them directly, mm-hmm. they're still gonna believe what they want to believe. Yep. Yeah, they're still gonna believe what they want to believe. Um, I used to say that say this to my soldiers a lot when I was uh, when I was still active duty. It doesn't matter what I tell you. Mm-hmm. If you are determined to believe what you want to believe then there's nothing I can tell you that's going to change your your mindset. Mm-hmm. There's nothing. But it's until you are faced with some type of adversity, mm-hmm. then that's when you decide, oh, well, maybe I shouldn't have believed it. Or yep. maybe I shouldn't have formed that opinion. Or maybe this person was right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but Again, it, it goes back to, in my opinion, you're going to believe what you want to believe, mm-hmm. even with the facts presented to you. Yeah, you, you're still going to believe what you want to believe. That's certainly true. Uh, people have their their motivations or agendas that they want to push, no matter what the truth is, and that is why. Um, that's what I fight against actively on this podcast. I'm like, you have to. Try and look at other perspectives on any given situation or any given belief, right? Um, so we we can take I I can't even think of an example. There's, there's probably so many of them. You we, had an example last night. Remember when I was doing my class when we talked about um, stereotyping mm-hmm. and generalization. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I forgot the specific example that I gave, though. Um, we we can take it on any given issue, just any given political issue. Okay. And, and you have Republicans saying this, Democrats saying this. Now, both sides, you can probably not convince to switch on a, on a given belief. Okay, so l- let's take politics off the picture. Let's take okay. politics. Okay, we're just going off of people believing what they want to believe. Okay. All right. So let's take this bottle of water. Mm-hmm. If I tell you, okay, that this bottle of water mm-hmm. goes by a different name. Yep. What do you see as far as the name on the bottle? What's the it, name? It of says the Rising Star, drinking purified water. It, right. It's right there in front of you. Yep. Right there, it says Rising Star. Mm-hmm. But I take that same bottle of water, regardless of what's on the label, and I tell you, oh no, Ethan, no, um, it's not called, it's not Rising Star. It goes by the, the other name of Morning Star. Mm-hmm. Even though you see it on the label. Yeah. And I convince, I give you such a convincing story, I can just make it up. I can tell you. Oh, well, Ethan, it used to be called Rising Star, but the company never decided to change the name. So officially, uh, 
the name, the new name is Morningstar. They just never got around to changing the name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you don't have proof of me, right? You yeah. just have my word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but if I tell you such a convincing story, even though you see the name on the bottle says something else, mm-hmm. you know, would you be quick to believe what I tell you? No, because that's not uh, objectively true based on observation. But with some of what I told you sticking in your mind. It would stick in my mind, yeah. Exactly. 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 Yeah. It, it honestly, I... <laughs> because something, what I'm trying to tell you, part of part of the narrative that I just gave you uh-huh. is going to stick with you. Yeah. What you do with it after I walk away or you walk away from, from our conversation about this same bottle of water, mm-hmm. that's up to you what you're going to do with it. Yeah. So you can go back and you can go and tell the next person that has this bottle of water, you mm-hmm. make that choice to repeat either all of the story that I just gave you or some of the story I gave you. Mm-hmm. Or you can stick to the facts of what you see. Yep. Rising star, purified drinking water. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you can apply that to all kinds of things. Um, and it that's the unfortunate reality of of okay. some of of the uh, of humanity. We refuse to uh, accept the truth if it contradicts what we believe as yeah. the truth. Exactly. And in relating it to like the church, for example, mm-hmm. I believe in evolution. Right? Many people in the Christian church are very uncomfortable with that. I can present evidence. I can present this and that. Still won't accept it, right? Mm-hmm. Because it doesn't fit the comfortable belief that they were taught as a child. So that's a very hard thing if we want to relate it back to Black Lives Matter and in perceived notions. We can go with stereotypes again. If you're, uh, if you were raised to stay away from African Americans because of this, this, and this. And we give you facts on African-Americans and look, those are just stereotypes and they're false stereotypes. People won't, a lot of people won't accept that because it's uncomfortable to say that you're wrong, if that makes sense. Yeah, most people don't like to know that they're wrong about anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that, and that's a thing that that is going to be the hardest part about making any sort of progress with this because people already have their minds made up. And uh, so if you want to make change, you have to convince people to make change. If that makes sense right there. Okay, so how do you make change? How do you convince people to make change? Well, that's honestly what, what I don't know. How do you convince people that this is going on and that this is the best solution to it. Well, I don't think we're at a phase now where we need to convince people that it's going on because like I said, it's it, it's in their faces right now. Mm-hmm. So they know what's going on. But to me, I think um, the next step is to figure out how we change people's mindsets. And don't get me wrong, I understand it's not going to happen overnight. Mm-hmm. Okay, but it starts with 
to me, I think it starts with a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, not only um, the mindset, changing the mindset, but mm-hmm. also changing behaviors. Yep. Um, do I think we as a community, the African-American community, do I think we need to change a lot of our mindsets and behaviors? Oh, yes, we do. Mm-hmm. Yes, we do. Okay. Um, but I, I, I firmly believe if you want someone to accept you and to understand you, you have to first accept yourself and understand yourself. Yep. You have to do that first. Um, I think a lot of the negative views that African-Americans have have been perpetuated through media mm-hmm. um, long before social media got, got into play. I mean, look at shows like Cops or you see movies and TV shows and majority of the black characters that they portray on there or, or what? They're uh, they, they, they portray them in a bad image yes, a lot of times. In, in a bad, in a bad mm-hmm. way. So majority of the time you don't see um, African Americans, whether male or female, mm-hmm. portray, you know, from the past, portray in a positive light. Mm-hmm. You know, because I look at myself. Mm-hmm. When I was in the army, people judged me based off the fact that I was a black female because mm-hmm. they automatically assumed before they even got a chance to speak to me or got a chance to get to know me mm-hmm. that I was the so-called angry black female. Mm-hmm. And yes, it, it would get on my nerves at times, but I got to a point in my life where I just just realized, okay, it's irrelevant. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to change it and I really don't care. Mm-hmm. To change it, they perceive me as that, then that's on them. Mm-hmm. But I'm not gonna let it stop me. Yep. And I think that's what's driven that is what has driven me a lot when I was in this in um uniform mm-hmm. to not to make sure that I wasn't portraying myself like that. Mm-hmm. I didn't care what other people thought about me. I just wanted to make sure that I wasn't doing something to feed into that um that box that people were trying to put me in. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I I can't say personally that I've experienced a negative stereotype. Uh, I have experienced racism Mm -hmm. two, maybe three times before. Uh, But for me, it's not something that holds me back in my daily life. Um, Not the same for everyone. Uh, I can only speak for what I have been through. But... You know, it wasn't until I moved to Utah when mm-hmm. when I moved there and I had my first racial incident. Okay. That is the first time I realized the reality that this stuff is still very relevant. Mm-hmm. And uh, it sometimes takes that to for someone to realize that a given the the reality of a given situation. Okay. It, it takes that personal experience. And me and Uncle Philip were, were talking about this the other day. Uh, what life experiences give you 
a reality check in a sense. And that was and that was mine. Just chilling with with my neighbors and with my sister, right? And then some dudes pull up and start calling us an N-word monkeys, telling us to get out the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. I'm like, man, really? Like, I never felt that way before. It took my self-esteem and self-pride away at that moment when they kept driving up and saying that. I never felt my humanity be questioned in that way. And that was my reality check. And it changed my views on a lot of things. Um, And I don't know if people can understand it without a reality check in some way. I don't know. Because whenever I talk with my white friends about, about racism, they don't see it as big of an issue as you and I would see it. Because they don't necessarily experience that. They have different experiences and they worry about different things, if that makes sense. Um, but you got to look at it like this, Ethan. Mm-hmm. They're not considered a minority. Mm-hmm. You know, you are unfortunately considered a minority just mm-hmm. by the way you look. Mm-hmm. So until they're, will, until they're able to kind of like, you know what I was saying? You never know what person goes through until you walk them out in their shoes. Mm-hmm. You know, to me, you don't even have to walk a mile in my shoes. Just just walk one day in my shoes or a few steps in my shoes and see what I experience on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying every time I walk out my front door, I experience um, some type of negativity. No, I don't do that. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that. Um, but what I'm saying is... Um, I do believe that once you encounter a certain unpleasant experience, mm-hmm. whether it's racism or, or any type of negative experience, that sticks with you and it changes you in some type of way. Mm-hmm. Whether it changes you for the good or the bad, that's up to you. Yep. But excuse me, like I said, you know, it's those experiences you have. Mm-hmm. And most people don't know how they will react to being put in certain unpleasant situations until they're put into those situations. Mm-hmm. But I need a bathroom break. All right. Okay. What, perfect time to go to break. Um,